Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking uh, from verse, what is that, verse 8 through 11. Verses 8 through 11. Galatians chapter 4, 8 through 11. That's where we're going to be tonight. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to become once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for... uh, the ability that we have to read your word and to apply it to our lives today. Uh, Your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that you would open our ears to hear your word, that you would open our minds to understand, God, and you would speak to us through your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's let's start here again. Paul is is finishing up his, his big argument with the Galatians. Basically, what's happening is they are taking uh, what they know to be true in Jesus Christ and adding to it, right? We, we've talked about that a lot. We've talked about how they are they're saying, well, you need the gospel and you need the law. And last week, we talked about how the law was a placekeeper for the gospel. It was a holding pattern. It was, it was a fence to keep us from the, the extent to which we could become sinners, Right? Because if you think about the, the biggest sinners that you can think about, imagine the, the, guy, the people who, who have uh, done the, the worst crimes you can imagine. That would be us if it weren't for the law and the gospel. The law keeps us from going to the extent of what is possible in our sin nature. Then the gospel comes along. And shows us Christ. It shows us that uh, the gospel is that we have sinned against a holy God. And that that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He was uh, resurrected three days later. And and he died for for sinners. He came to die for people in their place. And there's nothing that we did to earn that. That was a gift from God. And so... We're coming up on we're coming up on Christmas time, right? And uh, I, I read an article in a newspaper. It made national news, uh, where a, a a real estate company gave its employees uh, millions of dollars worth of bonuses for Christmas. Like their average, like the minimum bonus size was fifty thousand dollars. Okay, some people got upwards of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay, um, so. If you guys want to talk to the elders, uh, I would appreciate that, you know. <laughs> so that, that was a gift, right? That was a gift that the owner of this real estate company gave to his employees. Yes? Gift. Okay? It was based entirely on how long they had been at the company. So it wasn't based on sales. It was, it was based on... How long have you been at this company? And 
They didn't do anything to earn it. But they, they get paid. They get paid to work there, yeah? So they go there and they get paid. Their paycheck, their paycheck is what they earn. Yes? Commissions? Their, their real estate, they're earning commissions. Their paycheck is what they earn. This gift that they got was just that. It was a gift. And that's the difference between someone trying to keep keep the law and earn God's favor through what they've done. Okay? I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray every single day. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to not drink smoke. Or I'm not going to do any of this stuff. I'm not going to do it. And so because of my actions, God is going to love me. That's one type of person. And that's what the Galatians were falling into. If I do enough, God will love me. I want to earn God's love. And then the view of the gospel, the, the correct view of the gospel is that it is a gift. A free gift that we cannot earn. And so Paul, here in Galatians chapter 4, he's trying to remind them. He said, he said that idea of earning favor with the gods, earning favor with uh, those who have power over you is not a new idea. That's how everybody lives. If you look at any world religion, if you look at any of those, those polytheistic religions, if you look at animism, if you look at uh, any of the major world religions where there's a multiplicity of gods, the goal in any of those religions is to do enough so that you don't get punished. I need to appease my ancestors, so I need to offer, uh, offer up sacrifice of, of fake money, which is a funny thing that the Chinese do, right? And they, they burn fake money so that their ancestors have money in the afterlife. It's not real money, it's just play money. It's, yeah, just burn some money. Burn some fake money, not real money. That'd be too much. Interesting concept. It, it, I mean... Uh, if I, you know, I got to make sure in, in uh, Hinduism, it's it's more idea an idea of karma, and and we use we use karma um, sort of willy nilly, but that's not what they say when they're talking about karma. Uh, in in Hinduism, they they have a specific expectation for their situation in life. I was born into this family, into this caste, and there are expectations of this caste. My job is to fulfill those expectations. And if I do a good job, I will gain karma, I will gain points, I will earn credit, and I will be able to move up next year, next lifetime. Okay? So there is no upward mobility in Hinduism. It's, it's I was born here, there's a reason that I was born here, I'm going to continue to do whatever this, I'm going to do, I'm going to work, I'm going to earn those points, basically, so that I can be rewarded after. That idea of I'm earning favor, I'm earning merit, is a, a constant in the world prior to God revealing himself. Both through the law and through, and through the gospel. Christianity is different. Judaism is supposed to be different. 
How are people saved in the Old Testament? I think I've asked this question before. How are people saved in the Old Testament? Partially, yes, through like through the belief in the Messiah. So when they when they went to when they went to offer sacrifices at the temple, God wasn't concerned about their act of offering things at the temple. He wasn't concerned about what they were able to sacrifice. He was concerned about their heart and whether or not they were trusting God for the forgiveness of their sins. So they were saved through their faith in God and in their faith looking forward to the Messiah. They weren't saved by works. They weren't saved by going to the temple and, and, and having their sins forgiven by offering animal sacrifices. That's not how they were saved. They were saved by the grace of God through their faith in Him. The idea, the idea that Paul is trying to get across here, he says, before you knew who Christ was, in verse 8, before you knew who Christ was, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by nature who are not God's. And Paul talks about this in other places as well. He said, you're either a slave to righteousness or you're a slave to sin. Those are the two options. Those are the types of people. Those are people who, there are people who believe in Christ and people who don't. That's how the world is divided. It's not red, yellow, black, and white. It's not male, female. It's not, it, it is people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and people who have not. When we look at what Paul is saying here, he said, you were, you were already trying to work out your salvation. You're trying to do your best under this old system. And you were trying to earn the favor of these gods. He's talking to a mostly Gentile population. Heavy influence, Greek and Roman times. There, you're looking at the pantheon. like You got Zeus up there, right? Woo-hoo. That's Greek mythology. Who was it? And who was it? Who was the Roman gods? They, we never get. We never remember the Roman gods. Juno, Jupiter, Pluto. Oh, I'm naming off all the Saturn. Or is naming planets? Yes, they did Mars. Right? Mars was Venus. Earth. So yeah, I mean, so when we're looking at when we're looking at what they were before, before they heard about who Christ was, they were they were enslaved to this idea that they were they were under these gods who weren't actually gods, but they were they were enslaved to them. They were enslaved to the idea of service to them. And Paul said there was a last week we talked about that really important conjunction with a single T, right? Not two T's. But that conjunction is one of the most important conjunctions. And Paul does does it again here. Before, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. Guys, our lives as Christians, 
for the first time, when you, when you come to know who Christ is, when you, when you place your faith and trust in Him, we're not, it's not easy peasy lemon squeezy from, this, from that point on. From that point on, you actually have a choice whether or not to follow God. Before you knew Christ, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Before you had a relationship with God, you were dead to God and everything that was good. And people don't understand that. It's not like everyone who doesn't know Christ is evil. Because there are a lot of good people who do a lot of good things, but they have no idea who Christ is. What the gospel says is that without Christ, we are unable to choose God on purpose. In our own will, our own work, our own might, we cannot choose God because we are dead to God because of our sin. When you become a Christian, God gives you a new heart, new life. He puts breath in your lungs. He gives you himself. We are raised with Christ, just as we just as baptism. We look at baptism. Baptism, you are buried underneath the water and raised to life in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Right? And we have this idea that it is Christ living inside of us. And for the rest of our lives, until we stand before God and are held accountable for all of our actions and all of our deeds and the life that we live for Him, until from the point of accepting Christ to the point of standing before Christ in judgment. Life is full of choice that we didn't have before. We can choose to follow God. We can choose to do the right thing for the right reason. We can do to honor Christ. We can do the right things that will bring glory to God. We can do those things and actually bring glory to God because of the work of Christ in our lives. But so often, we choose wrong. We choose wrong. In the last Indiana Jones movie, not the bad one. Okay, the one with Sean Connery. That was the last good one. Yeah, the crystal skull one with Shia LaBeouf. Anyways. Um, Shia LaBeouf. And aliens. Is aliens in there. Okay. So anyways. Last Crusade. Last Crusade. You got Sean Connery. You got Harrison Ford. And as, as, as my wife pointed out, if you want a movie to do good, you don't kill Harrison Ford. Right? He dies in like every. No, he does not. He gets away. He's a fugitive. He's a, he's a president. He only, he only died in one movie. Anyways, sorry. Tangent. Tangent. So when we look at, when we look at that movie, okay, how many, have, how many of you have seen that movie with Harrison Ford, Sean Carney, The Last Crusade? Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. Hey, you shush. You should. All right. Let me let me give you a, let me paint you a picture. Okay, paint you a picture. There's a lot of there's a lot of weird symbolism. I'm Harrison Ford, uh, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, uh, Indiana Jones and his father, are trying to find 
the uh, the cup of Christ, the the blood that caught the Holy Grail, right? Um, it's not a real thing. Just throwing that one out there. And so at the end of the movie, it's it's a Catholic thing. <laughs> to answer your question, um, they they say that this, when Christ was pierced, someone caught his blood in a cup, and that was a it contained the holy blood of Jesus, right? So weird, yes. Um, but that was that was what people were searching for when the Crusades happened. Uh, lots of bad things happened. Anyways, that's that's history. Uh, this is a movie. So Indiana Jones and his father have found the place where the cup lies. Okay, and the last big test is they have to pick out of a, a huge array of cups that could be the Holy Grail. Okay? They have to pick it and then drink water out of it. You gross. Better wash it first. But that's, that's neither here nor there. So the bad guy comes in. Okay? Obviously the bad guy is going to come in first. And, and he, picks up a, he picks up a cup that's like gold and jewels and all this stuff. And he, he goes to the well and he picks it and he drinks. It's bad. Bad things happen. He turns into like this, this crazy wax mummy thing and, and, and disappears into dust. And the, the, the guy who's... They, well, I mean, you're probably not going to ever watch it unless we have an Indiana Jones movie night, which we, you know, we could. Um, so the, the whole point of me telling you this is that the, the knight who was protecting the cup, who had been alive for thousands of years, drinking from the, drinking from the, the uh, well from the, the Holy Grail, he looked at the guy as he turned to dust and deadpanned this line. He chose poorly. Like yeah, he's, he's he's a dust mummy now. Yes, obviously he chose poorly. When we look at when we look at our lives and we look at the decisions that we make day to day, moment by moment, we need to be able to evaluate them and and say, is this decision that I'm making right now, is this decision one that will glorify God, or am I leaning back? On my old life? Am I leaning back on the sin life and, and giving glory to myself or to someone else because we're not worthy of the glory that God has? We are supposed to point others to Christ. The things that we are supposed to do are supposed to point others to Christ as well. And so, what Paul is saying to the Galatians, you should, but now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you, once, you want to be once more? When we have sin issues in our lives, we like to go back to them. It's not, and we know that we shouldn't. We know that we shouldn't go back and those, have those same patterns that we had before we knew Christ. And we forget that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer bound to do those things that, that people who do not know Christ are bound to do. People can't choose God without Christ. But with Christ we can choose God and we, we need to work our way towards choosing Christ in our everyday decisions. One of the ways that the psalmist, psalmist described it. It's like we're like a dog that goes back to its vomit. Ew is right. Okay. 
We got a cat recently. Cute? No, we got a cat. Got a cat. It's, it was a free cat. Um, there's no such thing. No, no. No, no. It's not stray. Someone gave us a cat. But, listen. Did you like this cat or not? I like the cat. Okay? Pepsi, our dog, likes the cat as well. But really prefers the cat's litter box more than anything else. Okay? Crunchy treats um, that the dog gets to partake in. And crunchy treats. Like, we don't give him, we don't give him enough granola bars. Uh, but he, he found this, this new stockpile of treats. Okay? That's the same thing, guys. If we are, if we are in Christ and we're going back to sin, it's the same as a dog who goes back to its vomit and eats it up. It's the same thing. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of vomit. Okay? When, I, I can, listen, I can handle, I can handle my own children's, you know, up Chuck, that's nice. I had an uncle named, an uncle named Chuck. What's up, Chuck? And so when we look at, when we look at what Paul is saying here, he's like, you guys, you have known God. You are known by God. If you look back at the beginning of chapter 4, we are called God's children. We are His heirs. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we choose to live a life that is disgusting and, and awful. We choose those things because we don't know how to control ourselves. We understand that we shouldn't do them. But for some reason we don't have the power to stop. Well, good news is we do have the power to stop because we are no longer controlled by those desires. If you give Satan a foothold, he will use that foothold your entire life. He will hold you captive as long as you give him a place in your life. You give in to temptation, you sin, and you do it over and over and over again. This repetitive sin will, will give a foothold to the enemy in your life. And you will not be able to get, get rid of it easily. But here's the thing. You don't have to give him a foothold. You don't have to continue in sin. It's no longer your nature. We were in sin. We were slaves to sin. But now in Christ, we are a new creation. We are slaves to righteousness where we can do the right thing. We can, we can do the right thing for the right reasons so that God receives glory. I am afraid... I may have labored over you in vain. It's one of the saddest lines in Scripture. When you think about the years that Paul put in with the Galatians, the, 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 where he shared the gospel with them, he led them to know how to follow Christ, and then to have them come to this point where they're... they're rejecting the gospel as it's supposed to be given. And, and he's saying, listen, I am scared that you have lost it. That you never had it to begin with. That everything you showed was 
fake. I'm afraid I might have labored over you in vain. The gospel gives us the opportunity to follow God the right way, the only way. It gives us an opportunity to choose to follow God. Because without God, without the Holy Spirit inside of us, we would never choose God. We would never do the right thing. We would never make ourselves vulnerable in that way as to go against culture, to go against the flow and follow after Christ instead of following after the world. Without God inside of us, we would be hopelessly lost. But in Christ, we are given the strength to do just that. To live a life that is meaningful for God because He is living through us. And we are, He has filled us up and we are pouring into other people. That's what the Christian life is about, guys. It's not about being perfect. You can't be perfect. You can't get it right all the time. But those of us who are in Christ are no longer bound to the sin that was in our life before. We are no longer enemies of God. We are children of God. And just reminding yourself of that, reminding yourself of that drives away most of the temptation that comes in our lives. Because the original lie, the original lie that was told to Eve, was summed up in a very short question. Does God really love you? Does God really have your best intentions at heart? The answer to that is, if you are a child of God, you're His child. Of course He has your best intentions in mind. Does that mean it's easy? No. Does that mean we're going to get it perfect? No. But what it means is that position will never change. We need to run to God as His children. We are known by God. We know God and are known by God. We are never alone. We are never, there's never a time when we are separated from God. And that comfort should drive us to our knees, drive us to His presence because it is in His presence and in His Word where we, earn, where we learn how to combat the other nature. Jeremiah has uh, not a lot of fun at the doctor's office. Pick a doctor, and we have, we have bad times at the doctor's office. Uh, and it's not a... 
He is terrified of, of something that he has imagined that's about to happen to the doctor. And he's a strong little booger too. He is. Uh, we, had to, we had to test him for a strep throat. That's the throat swabs. No fun. Everybody knows, everybody knows it's no fun. It is, it is irritating. It hurts a little bit. A little bit of pain, right? It took us 35 minutes to get those throat swabs. Yes. Because, because again, the, this, this fear that he has, has present tense. Present tense took over his mind. It was like he was possessed. Wasn't actually possessed. But he, he just, he like, just like screaming like we're trying to kill him. He's nine, he's like, he's flailing, he's trying to like get away from us. It took me essentially laying down on top of him. And as he was screaming, the nurse would go, Whoop! So when we, when, it's just, just I mean, uh, it's, it's, denti- it's, it's dentist, it's doctor. And so here's, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. I know. And he, I, it, when, when you talk to him afterwards, and he's had a chance to calm down, Jeremiah, was it that bad? Was it worse? All that mess before him. No, no, it wasn't. Like, Ruth had to get her throat swabbed too. You know what she did? Ah. Ah. <laughs> Done. And he's not at the age right now where we can embarrass him with his sister, who's three, and he's nine. Soon. Soon it will work. Um,. But we need to, like, he has this, it's, it's a debilitating anxiety that just takes over whenever we're getting ready to do something like that. And he knows that he shouldn't. He knows. He knows that it's not going to really hurt that bad because he also knows that we love him and we're not going to cause actual harm to our children. But we do the same thing with God. When Jeremiah is in the middle of that anxiety freak out. The question in his mind is essentially, I don't trust my parents not to hurt me. I don't trust that they have my best intentions ready for me. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, 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 and it's just, it just, spirals out of control from there. That lie that Satan gives is the same for us. When the temptation comes and we're and we're we're faced with a choice. Do I do something that will honor God or do something that will not honor God, dishonor God? Do I do something and, and that's that's a that is a very real choice that we live with moment by moment. Should I watch this TV show? Should I be on my phone? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Should I be hanging out with these people? The choices that we make, 
the choices that we make, moment by moment, show us who's in control. We don't have to choose the bad choice in Christ. And that's what Paul was laying out for the Galatians. I thought, I thought you guys were solid. That's what he said. I thought you were good. That's why I left. That's why I went on to the next church. I thought you were good. Now it looks like what I've done has been a waste. Because you, you didn't really have it. Scary to think that. I'll leave you with this. In Christ, we know God and we are known by God. Christ is the lens that we're able to perceive God through, and Christ is a lens that God sees us through. If we have Christ as our Lord and Savior, His blood covers us. God doesn't look at us and see our sin. God looks at us and sees His child. God isn't some vindictive person who's up there like, Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smite you for that one. Get ready to be smote. God looks at us as a loving Father. A better father than I will ever be. A better father than we will ever have on earth. God looks at us as a loving father looks at his child. And leads us where we're supposed to go. That's the relationship that we have with God through Christ. And we can look to him as father. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for... This amazing reality that we are able to to live in, God. That through Christ we can be your children. We We are your possession. We are your precious children. And God, not because of anything that we've done to earn that love, but because you chose us. You loved us and we are lovely because of it. God, when we look at our hearts, we see the sin inside our hearts. We don't see the reality that we are no longer slaves to sin because it torments us every waking moment. But God, you have, you have taken away the, the control that sin has in our lives. You took it away through Jesus' blood on the cross, through his death and through his resurrection. So that when you look at us, you see Christ. You don't see our sin, you see Christ's righteousness. You see Christ's love. You see Christ's perfection. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see more fully every moment of every day what it means to be your child. The position that we hold as your children through Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for that reality. We thank you for that truth. And God, we we hold on to that as our only hope for 
for defeating sin in our life, for overcoming the, the fear and temptation that comes at us every single day. God, let us rest in the reality of Christ in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.